0: Romans 13, verses 1 through 7, I have found to be often an ignored passage. It's definitely a difficult passage at times. It's a misunderstood passage. And to a large degree in our culture, it's been a disobeyed passage of Scripture. But I want to say, listen carefully, it is nonetheless biblical truth. And it's binding on our lives as Christians and today, I'm, I'm, I'm going to talk to us because that's what this text here addresses, the biblical view of civil authority. The biblical view of civil authority. Now, you say, preacher, why would you preach a message like this on Independence Weekend, 4th of, 4th of July week? Well, for a lot of reasons. This is not just something that America is obligated to do or Americans or American Christians. It's in the Word of God for every one of us, regardless of ethnicity, nationality, or political affiliation or anything like that. God addresses here a scriptural view of government, a scriptural view of civil authority. I have been grieved, concerned, Over the last several years, maybe more so than ever because I have sensed and as I grow to understand this passage better and more and more, uh, I I believe deeply that even some things that occur in pulpits violate these, these scriptures at times. As I look around and I see a prevalence of scorn and disrespect that's aimed at civil authority in our country a contempt for law enforcement. When I see riots back in 2014, 2015 in major cities of our country and that that took place in Charlottesville back in just last fall with the alt-right movement. You say, is God against a peaceful protest? No, he is not. But God is against and God condemns a riotous attitude in philosophy, in rioting. He certainly condemns a disrespect for law enforcement. He certainly condemns a disrespect for our government. He certainly condemns a disrespect and a scorn and a ridicule of public officials. You say, now where do you see that at? Well, we see it in this text. I don't believe it's right, whether it's President Bush, President Obama, or President Trump, for anybody to burn an American president in effigy. That's wrong. Like, well, that's just, no, that's wrong. That's showing a disrespect and a contempt and a dishonor that is not consistent with Romans chapter 13 and other portions of Scripture. You're like, preacher, come on, we came to hear Jesus this morning. Well, I don't know why you came, but I hope you came to hear the Word of God. This isn't a political sermon. It's not an American sermon. It's a biblical sermon. And regardless of whether you or I like it, that's what God called me to do and every preacher to do. And so I'm going to be true to Him and true to my conscience. And I want us to listen and to hear the Word of God today very clearly. I want you to think with me. I find it disconcerting that the people most adverse to parental authority growing up will eventually become those most adverse to civil authority as they get older. And God help us. It is the Lord who ordained government to be one of his divine institutions. It was the second institution that he brought into existence after the home. God gives clear instruction in his word on what our attitude and what our philosophy and what our approach ought to be to respecting and honoring civil authority. The truth of the matter is, If we cannot respect and honor and properly treat the human authorities that we see in our lives, whether it be parental, civil, educational, whatever. If we cannot properly respect the human authorities in our life, you and I will have trouble ever truly honoring and respecting divine authority. And we don't see God, but we can see the human authority. And that's why the Lord set it up that way. And I want to remind you of 1 Peter 2, verse 17, that says, fear God and honor the king. Honor, it means to prize, to place value upon. You honor the emperor. You honor the king. And I remind you today, ladies and gentlemen, that when Simon Peter was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write that about the emperor, about the king, that it was not a perfect Christian king that they were referring to. It was Nero, a very wicked and cruel and hostile king to anything and everything biblical. You say, you mean to tell me, Christian Powell, that God wants me to show proper respect and to have a proper view of civil authority even in the midst of corruption and chaos and gang? There's never been any more corrupt system than the Roman emperors and that political system. Never been any more system uh, that was any more hostile to biblical Christianity than what the New Testament Christians faced in Rome and in the Roman Empire. So I want to make some statements from the text this morning. I want you to listen very carefully. First of all, civil authority is God-ordained. Civil authority is God-ordained. Would you look at verse 1, please? Let every soul, Romans 13, one, Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. Stop right there. The word higher, the term higher powers is a term for governing authorities. Those that are in authority, politically. It, it, it tells us that the higher powers, those authorities are from God. That they're ordained of God that they're worthy of honor and they're worthy of subjection. Notice what it says, For there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. In other words, we realize all power belongs to God. That's based on Psalm sixty-two eleven. We know that. Therefore, anyone on this earth who holds an office or a position of power does so by the plan and allowance of God. That means every king, every president, every governor, every senator, every state representative, every national representative, even those on the Supreme Court, those who make laws, those who carry out laws, those who enforce punishment for those who break the laws. This would include law enforcement. And even if you understand the context of The first century, it even applied to tax collectors. That they were placed in that position by the sovereign allowance and providence of Almighty God. It's interesting that what he says, verse 2, Whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God. And they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation or punishment. And that tells us in verses 1 and 2 that to disobey the civil authority without biblical cause is to disobey God himself. Listen to what Adam Clark said. Let every man be obedient to the civil government under which the sovereignty of God has placed him. He went on to say that as God is the origin of power and the supreme governor of the universe, and that's absolutely true, God delegates authority to whomsoever he will. And though in many cases the governor himself may not be of God, civil government is of him. For without this there can be no society, no security, no private property. All would be confusion and anarchy, he said. And the habitable world would soon be depopulated. And I say amen to that. If you understand what Adam Clark is saying, you understand that what the scripture is saying is that government and structure is ordained of God and it has to be that way. And God is the one that put it in place because he knew as human beings we would need a structure set up that would ensure some semblance of order and reason. A.T. Robertson, the noted Greek scholar, said Paul is not arguing for the divine right of kings nor for any special form of government but for government and order nor does he oppose here revolution for a change of government but he does oppose all lawlessness and disorder. Civil authority is God ordained. Statement number two. Civil authority has certain responsibilities. Civil authority has certain responsibilities. Look at what he says in verse 3. For rulers, for civil authority, governmental leaders are not a terror to good works but to the evil. In other words, they are not to pose a problem or a threat to those who are obeying the law and doing what's right. But they're supposed to be a threat. They're supposed to conflict with those that do evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. In other words, we ought to properly fear the authority. And if we break the law... We ought to be afraid of suffering consequences. We understand that. Those of you that are parents, any reasonable parent sets and establishes guidelines for their children. Early on in life, from the time they begin to crawl and from the time even while they're in the crib, we're establishing as parents a system of them understanding right from wrong. And there are uh, actions and consequences. There is praise for Times when they do good and there is appropriate correction for times when they don't do good. And we understand that from the time we're yay big. And God says, that's that's how I've established the government to be. That's my intention. They have certain responsibilities. Look at verse 4. For he, that's the ruler, that's the civil authority, whether it be a president, a king, a governor, whether it be a law enforcement officer. Notice this. He is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid. For he beareth not the sword in vain. He is a minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. You see, ladies and gentlemen, civil authority, civil government is designed by God to make it easier for people to do good and harder for people to do evil. Rulers are not a terror to good works, the Bible says, but to the evil. One writer said the civil authority is clothed with great power, but that power is entrusted to him by God not for the terror or oppression of the upright man, but to punish the wicked man. It is in a word, he said, for the benefit of the community that God has entrusted the supreme civil power to any man. If he should use this to wrong, rob, spoil, oppress, or persecute his subjects, he's not only a bad man, he's a bad leader. And I say amen to that. Verse 4 says about those in civil authority, and it uses some words I want to highlight. It says, first of all, they're ministers of God. That word in verse 4 literally is the word diakonos, and it's the word that we get our word deacon from, and it means a servant. But then it goes on in verse 4, and it uses a word we don't use much, a revenger. Now listen carefully. It literally means that they are an avenger, a punisher, one who carries out justice. The ones who properly use... And I'm going to use the same word that the text uses. They use the sword. Now, what's the sword? That's a judicial sword. That's the sword that was used in punishing the evildoer. And what God is saying is that in society and in civil government, there have been those who are entrusted with the responsibility not just to set parameters and establish laws to make it easy for good people to do right, but there are laws in a system and a structure to make it more difficult for people to do evil. And he gives certain authority not to vigilantes, But to an established authority, the law enforcement, it is their job and their duty to come and to protect the innocent and to protect the good and to enforce punishment on those that do evil. Theologian James Moffat said that the government shouldn't be a threat to an honest man. And I say amen to that. It shouldn't. It has a certain responsibility. It is not to get out of their bounds, but they have certain responsibilities. So we learn, first of all, civil authority is God-ordained. Civil authority has certain responsibilities. And then, here's where I want to just camp out for a few minutes as we draw this to a close. Civil authority is to be honored. So I want you to look at verse 5 and see what God says. If you're still with me, say, Amen. Wherefore, or because I've said all this in verses 1 through 4. Wherefore, verse 5, you must needs be subject. Now stop right there. The word subject means that you literally place yourself under the authority. It's, It's the word to subordinate yourself. To become subordinate. It's a military term. And you men and women understand that. It means you literally, willingly place yourself under the rank and the authority of someone that has greater rank and greater authority over you. And God says, I want you to subject yourself not only for wrath, watch this, but also for conscience' sake. In other words, I don't want you to do this. I don't want you to submit and to honor civil authority just because you're afraid of them. I want you to do it because you're going to have a clean and clear conscience before the Lord. I want you to do this because it's right in the eyes of God. You see, the Christian's highest motivation to honor civil government is the glory and pleasure of God. By the way, that's our highest motivation for doing anything in this world is the glory and the pleasure of Jesus. But then go on, notice what he says, verse 6. Now this is where it gets sticky. For for this cause, this is a command, pay ye tribute also. Now wait a minute. He says you pay, God wants you to pay tribute. Now stop right there. Anytime we see the word pay, (laughs) there's something that automatically comes up in our spirit. You say, wait a minute, C.P., I don't mind obeying the Lord. I just don't want it to affect my pocketbook. And this does. Because he says, I want you to pay tribute. Now, what's tribute? Tribute or taxes. For they, the government, the civil authorities, are God's ministers attending continually upon this very thing. Render, therefore, verse 7, render or give or yield, therefore, to all their dues. Tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Our nation has a representative form of human government. We call it a representative republic or a democratic republic. It's founded on the principle of elected officials representing a group of people. Now listen carefully. Our form of government in the United States is much different than any form of government we see in Scripture. But yet the biblical instruction still applies to us today just as it applied to the first century Christian. Listen to 1 Peter 2, 13-17 through 17 carefully. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. What? Whether it be to the king as supreme or unto governors as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. For so is the will of God, Peter said that with well-doing you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men, as free men, and not using your liberty as a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God. Honor all men. Love the brotherhood. Fear God and honor the king. Again, think about the king he was referring to. So God tells us that we are to submit to civil authority when it doesn't conflict with God's Word. Well, preacher, what about the times when it does conflict with God's Word? You come back tonight and we're going to talk about that. (laughs) What do you do when government goes bad? That's what we're talking about tonight. And there's a biblical response and a biblical answer. But here he says, if it is a reasonable law and it does not violate the word of God, then I'm to submit to the civil authority. This has to do with even my attitude about laws and restrictions and regulations and i've been reminded by the holy spirit this week as i've been studying that this doesn't even that 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 i have to apply this to myself when it comes to certain laws and things that i don't necessarily even like things that i think are unreasonable things that from my little perspective seem to be a little dumb And yet God didn't say, you obey until you think it's dumb. He says, you obey. And if it doesn't violate scripture, and it doesn't force me to disobey God, then I'm obligated and duty-bound with a good conscience to obey that. And in doing so, I'm obeying the Lord. So let me ask you a question. What will that submission to civil authority look like in your life and mine? What will that honor look like? Well, first of all, it means I will view civil servants as ministers of God. God uses some words here in verse 4. He uses the word minister, diakonos. In verse 6, he says they're God's ministers. And the word there is different than in verse 4. Here in verse 6, it literally means that they're God's public servants. If they are in a position of authority, God placed them there. and Whether they recognize it or not and whether they realize it or not, they are God's ministers. They're God's public servants. And ladies and gentlemen, I am to view them as that and I'm to treat them like that. They are sovereignly placed in that position by the Lord. And that's why, listen carefully, listen carefully. You say, well preacher, aren't there some corruption? in not there corrupt public officials? Yes, I do believe there are corrupt public officials. But I want you to hear me. I want you to hear me. God didn't say, do you not think they had corrupt public officials in the days of Paul? And can I tell you something? Just because there is one or two or a handful of police officers, law enforcement officers that that the media has paraded as being corrupt, and I'm not going to say that they're not, I'm going to say this, that just because there are some that are, does that mean that all of them are? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And it also means, according to the text, that I am not to disesteem or to disrespect those in authority. Just as there are corrupt preachers. There are immoral preachers. There are preachers who don't know how to handle finances and who are thieves. There are preachers that don't know how to preach the book and that they use the word of God deceitfully and craftily. They have no business being in the pulpit. But does that make every man of God and every pastor corrupt? No, sir. Not on your life. Does that mean that every public official should be distrusted? No, sir. There is a Uh, child walking with his daddy one evening and they were looking up at the sky and they the the little boy saw a falling star and he looked up at his daddy and said run daddy run and the daddy said why son and he said daddy that star that star fell that star fell that means they're all gonna fall and the daddy wisely stopped his son and said son come here he said look up at the stars He said, those stars aren't going anywhere. He said, everything's good. And he said, son, just because one star fell doesn't mean they're all going to fall. And I want to say this in case there's any doubt left in anybody's brain this morning, that Christian Powell and Faith Baptist Church tip our hats to every man and woman in law enforcement who serves our community and serves our city and serves our county and serves our state. I want you to give them a hand right now because there's some in this room. That's why when we have special days like 9-11 Sunday and Hometown Hero Sunday, do you know why we have it? Is it just so we can say we had it? No, friend. We put our money where our mouth is, and we want all of them, whether they're saved or not, whether they're churched or not, we want all of them to know that there's a group of Christians and a group of people here at 1200 West Grantham Street that appreciate and honor what they do and who they are. And we do that with our public officials. Why do we do that? Because it's popular It's not popular. We've never lived in a day of such scorn and ridicule. On every hand. You got folks on the left and the right being ridiculous. But that doesn't mean you and I have to fall prey to that stupidity. And I choose my words carefully. No, we view them as ministers of God. Why? Because I said so? Oh, no, because God said so. Number two, this submission means that we not only view civil servants as ministers of God, it means that we're going to pay the appropriate taxes that are necessarily required by the law. You're like, that's it, that's it, that's it. I'm done. I'm done. I've stuck with you this long, but I ain't sticking no more. <laughs> That's what the book says.
1: You say, where do you see
0: that at? Verse 7, verse 6. Pay your taxes. You see the word dues there. The word tribute in verse 6 means taxes. The word dues uh, means a debt in verse 7, a debt that is owed for services rendered or performed. The word tribute there means individual property or estate taxes. That's what it refers to. And the word custom there in verse 7 refers to, as one scholar says, to sales tax, tax on merchandise, things like that. One writer said, while it is... Appropriate for citizens, including Christians, to take advantage of deductions and other benefits that the law provides. And I say amen to that. No citizen, especially a Christian, is justified in circumventing payment of taxes by any means that is illegal or unethical. And I say amen to that. Did you know that in a 10-year span, tax fraud has robbed the government of nearly $3.5 trillion in revenue? And God didn't command you to like having to pay taxes. Remember the words of Jesus? Render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's. And you render to God the things that are God's. Number three, it means that I appropriately give civil authority proper respect. It says in verse 7 there, it uses the word fear. That refers to an inward reverence and it says to honor them. That refers to outward respect. See, it's all about my attitude. God did not say you have to agree with every public servant. He did not say you have to check your brain at the door. He did not say that you have to be non-discerning. He didn't say you have to swaddle the Kool-Aid. He did say that we must show honor and respect. And then the final thought, and I want you to lean in and listen. What does this submission and honor look like? Well, number four, it means that I'm going to pray for those in authority over me. And I confess to you, ladies and gentlemen, that Christian Powell, and by and large, the body of Christ, doesn't pray enough for our public officials. God has commanded us to. He's commanded us in 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 3. I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. And now he's going to delineate it. For kings. And for all that are in authority. In authority? Yes, that's civil authority. That we may lead a quiet and peaceable life. In all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. Who would have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. You see, as a Christian, I am commanded to pray for civil authorities. I'm not commanded to agree with them. I'm not even commanded to see eye to eye. I'm not even commanded to necessarily like their approach. No, no, no. I am commanded to pray for them. (laughs) And to pray God's hand, God's favor, God's wisdom, God's discretion, and God's leadership over them. I want to ask you a question. When's the last time? Don't answer out loud. When's the last time you prayed by name for your public officials? Starting with the president. Regardless of whether the president is Democrat, Republican, or Independent. That doesn't matter. When's the last time you prayed for Governor Roy Cooper? Like, well, I tell you, I don't like his policy. When's the last time you prayed for him? When's the last time you prayed for America? See, let me tell you how this all works, how it all shakes down. This is where the rubber meets the road. It all starts, listen carefully, with me and you as an individual Christian Coming up under God's authority. Because if I can come up under His authority, first and foremost, then He's going to help me come up under any other authority that He puts in my life. So I reckon today the question we ought to begin with is this as we close. Are you up under Jesus' authority? And that means this. First of all, gang, Are you saved? Do you know the Lord? Seriously. You're like, I thought this was about government. Well, right now it's not. It's about your relationship with Jesus. Because, see, I'm not ready to be rightly related with anybody if I'm not rightly related with Jesus. I can't obey any law (laughs) if I can't submit and be rightly related to Jesus and his law. Are you saved? If you were to die right now like you are, do you know for sure you'd go to heaven? Have you turned from your sins and trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Do you know that you're covered with the blood? Have you said yes to Jesus? In your life personally, you're in the right place to do that today.